Lord, you are here, and we are here, waiting, waiting to have your power and your spirit fall on us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as we begin our gospel reading this morning, it takes us back to Easter Sunday. So for the disciples, it is last week. And so they, we find out they are hiding in a room behind locked doors. And it says to us that they are afraid. They're afraid of the Jews. They haven't really done anything. And Jesus appears to them that day. And he comes through, and um, it's obviously Jesus. Now, think for a minute about what these disciples were feeling behind these locked doors. They're afraid to go out because the Jews, some of the Jews, the leaders, might kill them. It was dangerous. So they are hidden away. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and walks into the room. And he says, peace, peace be with you. I'm going to tell you, they probably weren't feeling a lot of peace before Jesus walked into that room. And maybe they're not feeling a lot of peace now that he is. I mean, this is rather surprising. Yes, they've seen an empty tomb. The women say that, you know, some of the women had seen him. Mary Magdalene had seen him in the garden. But here he is in the room. And scripture tells us that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them. Because they were going to go out into the world in his name. They're not quite ready yet. They're still behind closed doors. But Jesus has breathed on them and commissioned them in a way. So, we find out that who's missing? Thomas. Good old Thomas, who has unfortunately over the time become known as what? Doubting Thomas. So Thomas is not there. So the disciples, when he comes in, when Thomas comes into the room, the disciples say, Ha-ha, we've seen Jesus. We've, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas says, I haven't seen Jesus. And I'm not going to believe until I put my hands, my fingers in his hand, my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. Now, this is one of the places it comes up with the idea that he's doubting Thomas. But what you have to remember is, a week ago, when the women came to tell the disciples that Jesus was gone, the tomb was empty, who didn't believe? The whole group. Yeah, so they were doubters as well. But anyway, he's not going, Thomas tells us he's not going to believe unless he sees that. So, now we're at this week, if we were looking at the time, the way that this story is written. And Thomas is there with the disciples. They are still, still behind what? Closed doors. Remember, this is the group that Jesus breathed on, breathed on, gave them the Holy Spirit. 
but they are still behind closed doors. So Jesus comes in, and once again he says, peace be with you. The very thing they need that they don't have is peace. They're worried, they're concerned, all of the things that could happen to them. And he says to Thomas, Thomas, put your hand, in, put your finger in my nail holes, put, it, put your hand in my side. Now imagine Thomas. Jesus is repeating to him exactly what Thomas had said he wanted. It was a little bit staggering, I imagine. And Jesus literally says, if you translated the Greek correctly, it would literally say, stop being an unbeliever and be a believer. And Thomas responds with a declaration of faith well surpassing anything in the Gospel of John that had happened. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Now I'm going to tell you, no good Jewish young man could have acknowledged anybody that was human or had walked in humanity's footsteps as a Lord and a God, because it was a monotheistic society, and God, you didn't even say his name. And so when, when Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he makes the most astounding declaration of faith that has yet been heard in the Gospel of John. And in fact, that declaration of faith becomes the climax of the book of John. My Lord and my God. And it takes us right back to the first words of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Thomas, who has been called, unfortunately over the years, Doubting Thomas, really becomes professing Thomas. He professes that Jesus is Lord and God. So, none of the other disciples had done that that emphatically. But Thomas does. Now, I think there's a big question in today's gospel. And the question for me is, why are these disciples still hiding behind closed doors? What, what is happening? Jesus has breathed the Spirit on them, but they have been out in the world. So Jesus' resurrection, his, the empty tomb, has not really impacted their lives. It hasn't become the focus of who they are. But let me ask you this. Did the empty tomb last week change your life this week? Did you live differently? Or did you get up on Monday morning and say, oh, just another Monday? Has it changed us? So I have to admit that probably most of us did not um, have any major transformation. So I'm going to suggest that Christ, he hasn't actually 
haven't experienced the resurrection yet, but, but his real living body among, or his um, body that he's using, the, living among the disciples, his empty tomb, and the appearances that have happened to the disciples are really pretty big deals. If it had happened to us, if Jesus walked in here today and spoke to us, would it change our lives? Would it change the way we live? So, Jesus says once again to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. It goes on down through the ages. And we've talked about before, in um, those of you that have been in chapel with me, the difference between fact and story. A fact is something that is provable. Russia started war with Ukraine. That is a fact, right? This building, to my understanding, was consecrated in 1997. Is that right? That they consecrated the building. <laughs> All right, well, I'm wrong, but it doesn't change the thing, that fact that that's a fact. <laughs> They've misled me. All this time. Okay. Facts are all around us. You can find facts everywhere. You can't always find facts in the newspaper, but you can find facts. Facts are provable. The resurrection is a fact. If you remember in Luke's gospel, he set it up so that you couldn't miss the fact that Jesus had been in that tomb. And it was an unused tomb. Nobody had ever been in it. They couldn't say, the Romans couldn't say, oh, they just mixed up those bones. No, it was an unused tomb. So facts are provable things. However, the fact of the empty tomb is just the starting point of our story and of the disciples' stories. When Thomas faces the fact that... um, Jesus' body, Jesus is there. He makes this profound statement of faith. And from that point on, the disciples are going to have to change and live differently over they have the last week. It will be a starting point for the group. They have to leave that locked room. They have to go out into the world. They have to risk opening up. They have to tell, <clears throat> begin to tell the story of Jesus. And they have to begin to tell that story out in the public. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be scary. Some of them are going to die in the not too far distant future. It is dangerous. But it is the story that must be told. It is the story of the people of God, of who they are. So, each of us has a story to tell. And for each one of us, we may have a different starting place. Starting places can be all kinds of things. Starting things, starting place, let me start that over. Starting places are places 
where we are often, at this point, reluctant to share our faith, where we don't step out. Starting points can be challenges that are present in our life. We all have different challenges and different starting points. Some of us have a starting point of fear, of loneliness, of confusion, of grief, of unforgiveness, of despair. Now, they're still starting points. They're the place in our lives where Jesus comes and says, open that door. Open that door in your life and let me in. Let me change things. Let me bring the experience of my love, of God's love, into your heart. And then you can begin, or I can begin, telling <coughs> excuse me, the story of healing, of what happened. Places of pain for us, if we open the door, can become blessings. Places that we begin to share and grow and live deeper into our faith. And so our story begins, as the disciples did in a way, behind closed doors. Places we've cut off. Places I might not want you to know about or you might not want me to know about. But we're invited today to open the doors. To live into resurrection life. A new life, a new beginning, a new hope. So, I think this applies to us not only individually, but also as a church. That Good Shepherd needs to begin to throw open the doors. And we need to begin to throw open the doors of our life and let Jesus use us to touch other people. To bring people to know a living God. To let us, to let them know that there is more to life than what they see out there in the world. We want to fill this church, right? We want to fill this church. We're not going to fill this church by just sitting in here patting ourselves on the back. I mean, I'm here today. Are you here? Yeah. That ain't going to fill this church. And Jesus walks into our life and he says, Peace. Throw open the doors. Throw open the door of your heart. Throw open the door of your life. Throw open the door of Good Shepherd. Amen. Amen. Amen.